with that invitation given, let's get to the more important invitation, the invitation that Jesus has given to us. As I said, over the next four weeks, we're actually going to look at four invitations that Jesus has given us. And here's what I hope. I hope over these four weeks that you'll consider each invitation and ultimately that you'll accept those invitations. Now, as we get ready to look at this first invitation, let let me ask you a question. Does anyone here this morning need rest? All right, I see some hands going up, all right? I know for me, I need rest. I'll be honest with you, I feel for the last two plus years or so, I feel like I've just been on a dead sprint. In those couple of years, I've helped two of my kids remodel homes so that they could move into them. I took 30 graduate class, uh, hours of class from school. I ran from the Lord's call, and I ran back to the Lord's call, right? That'll wear you out itself, right? I mean, all those things, there's been so much, so much busyness in my life, I would say I could use some rest. Others of you know what I mean, even though your busyness is for other reasons. For some, you're in that stage of life where your kids are running from one activity to the other, and it seems like there's no time for rest. Others are in a phase where you're having to take care of aging parents or or maybe a sick family member, and there is no rest. Some of our teenagers feel like with school and work and extracurricular activities, they get no rest. Some here are retired, and you feel like since you retired, you're busier than you were before you retired, right? Because now you're the babysitter when, when, when somebody needs a babysitter, right? Or you're that extra hand when people can't find anybody else. And so now you're busier than you were when you were working, all right? For whatever reason, there are many today who I know are tired. And let's be honest, though. Many of us say we need rest, but the rest we really need has nothing to do with physical tiredness or even the busyness of our schedule. You you might not even be fully able to unexplain it, but you just say, I'm tired. Today, I want you to hear the invitation that Jesus has given to us. It is found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 30. But look at what verse 28 says. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice Jesus invites us to come. And he's inviting us to come so that he will give us rest. Let's first notice this. Who's invited? Who's invited to this? It is all, right? This invitation to Jesus is not an invitation to a select few. Jesus doesn't say, come all you who seem to have the most potential or you who haven't messed things up too bad. He he didn't say, come to me those who live in a certain part of town or those who have a certain educational level or income potential. He simply said, all. Who did he say could come? Oh, all right. It doesn't mean that maybe here you're this morning and you're that single parent trying to figure out how do I get this work? That invitation is for you. All right. Maybe you're that newly divorced and you're saying, how do I pick up the pieces and move on? This invitation is for you. Maybe you're that young married couple trying to figure out how do, how do I be married? Right. And how do I figure this thing out? This invitation is for you. Maybe you are that retired person and you say, how do I operate in this phase of my life? This invitation is for you. This is for those college students who's trying to figure out what am I going to do? with the rest of my life. It's for you. It's for those middle and high school students who are trying to just figure out life in general. This invitation is for you. You understand? No matter who you are, this invitation is for all. Yes. And you can say, it's for me. It is for you today. It's an invitation for all. What, What that means is this invitation is given really to everyone here this morning. There's not a one of you at this moment who are exempt from God's invitation. That's important. 
Because if you walk through the doors this morning thinking that there's no way God could have anything to do with you, you need to hear what this invitation says. It is for all, and again, that includes you. All right, now, this invitation, though, is further qualified. Look what he goes on. Who is invited? It's all, but it's not just all. It's all who labor and are heavy laden. I want you to understand as you read those two expressions, there's both an active and a passive part. Now, what's labor? Labor is what you do, right? All right? It is the part that you are active in. When you think labor, you probably think hard work. It's what you put effort into. It's what you're striving to complete. Then there is heavy laden. You understand that's passive. All right, what, what is being heavy laden? This is what someone places on you. Some of you might speak about how the government has laden you with too many taxes, or you might say, my boss has laden me with too much work. These are things that have been placed upon you. And so when you look at who is invited, it's all today who labor, all right, you're working hard, or those who are heavy laden had things been put up on you. Now, if we expand what fits into these two categories, we might have this natural tendency to think about the physical work we do or ask to do. However, if we read this in context, we must understand that there's most likely a different kind of labor and a different kind of being heavy laden that we experience that is much more in the spiritual sense. Think about how hard many here work trying to be acceptable to God. Maybe you are acutely aware of your sin and your failure. And to fully follow God, you know, you, 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 you know that you haven't done that in the past or even in the present. And here's the deal. You're laboring, trying to make it up to God. I mean, you're working extra hard to be a good person, to treat people as you think God would want, just hoping that God will recognize your efforts. Or maybe you are volunteering on a high level, thinking if you serve God in ministry in a high capacity in some way that you'll get bonus points from God. And after a while, you're going to be good, all right? Because here's what's going to happen. The good you've done is outweighed the bad. And so it's all great, right? All right. However, what you've experienced in the process is this. You never feel like you've done enough. You feel like there's just a little more you need to do to be pleasing to God, and so you're tired. In fact, you're ready to give up. You've been laboring to please God, but you feel like you failed, and so you are tired this morning. Anyone relate? You don't have to raise your hand, all right? Or, or some of you are heavy laden, because think about this. It's, it's not you that has placed all those expectations on yourself, but you got involved with religion, and religion has placed all these expectations on you. You've been taught that if you're going to be acceptable to God, that there's a long list of rules you have to follow or a long list of things you have to avoid or a long list of things you have to complete. And you're trying, but you always seem to fail. In context, I have no doubt that this is what's in mind, because if you were to read the next few verses on into chapter 12, as it begins, you see where the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day criticized Jesus and his disciples for plucking a few heads of grain on the Sabbath when they were hungry. They needed food to eat. And so these Pharisees come and they criticize them for working on the, the Sabbath. And so what Jesus does is he begins to criticize these Pharisees. If you don't know this, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, these religious leaders considered there were more than 600 laws someone had to follow in order to be right with God. It wasn't even just 600. They even expanded beyond them. That was their expectation. Let, let me pause and ask, can you imagine trying to follow follow 600 laws to be acceptable to God? No, right? No, no. but that's, that was this, these religious leaders of the day. They said, listen, you're going to have to. And so here's the reason. These religious leaders truly had laden the people with heavy expectations. 
And my guess is there are many here who feel the same way. You become heavy laden believing the expectations placed on you by religion or religious people is more than you can handle. And you are tired and you need rest. Anyone relate? Again, you don't have to raise your hand. Jesus gives the invitation to all who labor and are heavy laden. All right. And he says, come to me and you can find rest. Now, what is interesting is what he invites all these people to. All right. Those who need rest are invited to a relationship with Jesus. Notice plainly what he says in this verse. In Matthew eleven twenty. let me read it again. He says, look, come to me. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. See, I'm not sure what you think your answer to rest is, but, the, but, but to get true rest, I'm here to tell you, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Clearly, there are some of us here today that need a good nap. Right? Yeah, they need a good nap, all right? While a good nap may help some of us physically, all right, rest, a good nap will not give us the rest that we truly need. We can be physically rested and yet exhausted at the same time. Jesus is inviting us to a true rest. And note that what Jesus says is so much more different than what the religious leaders said. All the religious leaders of the day said, you do. And Jesus said, you come. You get it? They all said do. Jesus says, no, no, I don't want you to do. I want you to come. Now, I know a few of you might balk at that and say, well, Jesus has commands too. That might be true, but I want you to think about what Jesus even said is the greatest commandments. You may know them by now, but let me remind you of them or show you of them. I mean, here's what Jesus said the greatest commandments were. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. All right, think about this. When Jesus told us what the top two commandments were, they were both about being in relationship. All right? It wasn't about doing anything other than I got to love God. I'm in a relationship with God. That's the vertical aspect of that. And then he says, what? I'm in relationship with people. I love people. Instead of giving us a list of rules, Jesus really gave us an invitation to a relationship. How cool, right? I had the privilege, the privilege this week, in fact, of meeting somebody. I met them for the first time and got to spend a little time talking with them. We got into just general conversation. And before you know it, we were talking about spiritual matters. He's a man right now who is not in church and I would consider searching for answers. My assessment is that in some ways, church has hurt him in the past. However, we had a great time talking about spiritual matters, and part of what I wanted him to understand was this, that I did not want to invite him to a religion. I told him plainly that religion will kill you, but what I told him I wanted to invite him to was a relationship with Jesus, for it is Jesus that changes our life. It is Jesus that gives us true purpose. It is that Jesus that gives us peace. It is Jesus that gives us rest. The invitation we see here in this text is an invitation for all who labor and are heavy laden, and then it's an invitation to a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. Now, before you accept this invitation, I do need to spend a little time helping you understand the essence of this invitation. The essence of this invitation is a commitment to follow Jesus. Look at what Jesus said in verses now 29 and 30 here in this text. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I find this verse, in fact, a little bit interesting because we're invited to rest by Jesus. And then Jesus says, take my yoke 
upon you. Now, that seems almost like a contradiction, does it not? Does it? I mean, Jesus is inviting us to rest, but then he asks us to put on an instrument of work. Now, what is all this about? Well, first, let's talk about a yoke in case you don't know what that is, or maybe in case you have a false understanding of what the yoke being spoken of here is all about. And I need to do this because for many of us in our day and time, we have no real familiarity with what a yoke is, all right? I will admit, in fact, when I began studying for this message at the beginning of the week, I was ready to, to share my vision that I understood yoke to be, and I was going to speak about that. The yoke that came to my mind is one like this one here in the picture. Look at the screen. It's like this yoke. Now, you've probably seen pictures of this, right? The yoke would be this wooden instrument used to connect like two oxen or two burdens of beasts, whatever they would be, together with the goal of being that the two could work together to get the work done. All right. This was the image that I had in my mind when I first read this text, because in many ways I'd been taught this. I'd been taught that Jesus wants to be yoked to you in order that together you could pull the load and make it lighter. I mean, in this analogy, the ultimate reason you yoke to Jesus is because he is stronger and he can carry the bulk of the load. Anybody ever been taught that? In fact, many of you through the years have probably drawn some strength from that analogy and love the idea of Jesus helping pull the heavy load of your life, right? Go ahead and shake your head this way. You've been taught that, right? Because I came in the week with that mindset. That's what he's talking about. However, the text says, or Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Notice he didn't say, come be yoked with me. You see, there's another kind of yoke. It's this kind of yoke. It's a human yoke. This particular yoke is not a yoke made for animals, but a yoke made for humans. As illustrated by this next picture, it was often used to help carry water. It could be used for other things as well, but it was put around the neck of a person to help them carry some type of load. Okay? That's a, a yoke that was, in, in the very practical sense of the word, what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, he's saying, take my yoke upon you. So here's my question. Is Jesus saying, if you want to find rest, come carry my water buckets for me? Is that what he said? He said, come, take my yoke upon you. you. You carry these things for me and everything's gonna be all right? No. What we need to understand is the term yoke in Jesus's day had taken on a figurative meaning. In Jesus's day, it had become a figure of speech representing someone submitting to a particular occupation or a, 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 you know, a, some type of occupation or obligation. Specifically in regards to Jesus, it had become a term for submitting to a particular teacher or rabbi and committing to follow or live by that teacher's teachings. Understanding this helps it make sense when verse 29, when Jesus said this, he said, take my yoke upon me and what? Learn from me. When you understand that taking Jesus' yoke means you're committing to follow him and his teaching, it makes more sense when Jesus says, learn from me. This, is, this is, isn't about you agreeing to carry Jesus' water for him. It is about you saying, I'm going to bring myself under your teaching, and I'm going to live by that teaching. Here is, in this passage, Jesus invites us to learn from him because he is gentle and lowly in heart. This is important because what the people had experienced from the teachers of their day were those who were harsh and even arrogant. The typical teacher of the day put a great burden upon their students and loaded them down with commands, and they became very burdensome. Jesus said, I'm gentle and lowly of heart. Now, some of you might say, well, I'm not sure what Jesus is saying sound much different than the other teachers. So is it? Look at the result of following Jesus, which is rest for your what? 
So that's what he says, right? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You see, it's not like the invitation, uh, not unlike the invitation that God gave through the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel years earlier when he said this in Jeremiah 6, 16. He says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. God was trying to tell the people then, if you follow me and live by the way, my ways, you will find rest. God never intended to put a burden on the people. He was always desired to lead us to rest. Unfortunately, the people back in Jeremiah's day, guess why? They chose not to follow God and they suffered. And I'm here to tell you, many people today will choose to ignore Jesus's invitation and they will suffer. Some of you, again, might be still saying, I don't understand how following Jesus is any different than following another teacher. It just seems like following someone else who's going to have a bunch of stuff they want me to do. Well, first, let's keep in mind what Jesus said in John 6, 29. Jesus said, this is the work of God. You ready? We want to know what he wants us to do, right? Well, he told us in John 6, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. The work that God has for us, look, it's not about going out there and working your fingers to the bone. He says it's believing in Jesus. I mean, that's important because we have to remember what God offers to us is not based on our effort or a list of things we do. What God offers to us is a gift that comes through faith. Last week, the Women of the Words Life Group gave me some awesome gifts for Pastor Appreciation Month. By the way, ladies, loved every one of those. I'm still enjoying those gifts, all right? Thank you all for that. And one of the gifts they gave me was a, a picture, and in that, in that picture frame was my favorite Bible verse on it, Ephesians 2.8. Maybe you know by now, but let me share with you. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. You see, what God offers to us through Jesus does not come by one working harder. It comes by grace through our faith in Jesus. You gain a relationship with God, not by what you do, but by accepting him and his way. That should make the sense because what what gets us into trouble most of the time is when we're trying to do things our own way to start with, right? Right? So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and follow me, It is not following a list of do's and don'ts. It's really about following a person and learning from him and learning those ways, all right, that lead us into rest. Let's think about what Jesus teaches us and ask, all right? If we follow his example and his way, will it really give us rest? Well, before I even give you another example, let's consider this. If you come to God through faith in Jesus, as he said, does that not give you rest? He said, if I come just by faith, alone and that's it. Does that give me rest? Yes, especially if you spent your life trying to labor in order to be religious, hoping that God would accept you. If you've been trying to earn God's love, it is exhausting because you never can be good enough to earn the love of a perfect holy father. And God looks at us all and he says, stop trying to earn it and just accept it. That's what he says, accept it. And if you just accept God's grace, then in that there is much rest. Do you hear me? If you've been trying to be religious, my word to you today is quit and rest in Jesus and place your faith in the one who died for you. Now, what about if you follow Jesus' teaching that he taught in Matthew 6 where he said this, or Matthew 5? You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say, do you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? If you think about how heavy laden you are with hatred toward other people, right? To follow Jesus' teaching would give you a lot of rest, would it not? Are y'all following me? Y'all know what is right. You ever been mad at anybody? You, some of you are holding a grudge for now 20 years. What? It's heavy, isn't it? You know how it is. You've been there. I can tell you from a personal experience, it's a heavy weight when you're angry at someone and you just want to keep carrying it and you just want to keep being mad and you don't want to forgive. I'm here to tell you it's freeing when you follow the teachings of Jesus and you learn, all right, to love your enemies instead of hate them and you pray for them rather than even trying to persecute them. Amen. It's freeing. Instead of putting something in that bucket you're carrying, what happens is you take something out and it gets lighter. Or what about Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6 when he says this? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? I mean, think about how hard we often labor trying to take care of our needs, anxious about making ends meet or planning for the future, laboring hard to try to get ahead in the world. And where do we end up? We end up nowhere but tired. Not only tired, exhausted because you don't have time for the things you really love and care about like your family. And the anxiety that you feel worrying about those things, it has you weighed down. I'm here to tell you, there's something restful about working to provide for your family because you do need to work, but ultimately resting in the fact of this, that if you follow God and trust him, he can provide for your needs. Right? I can tell you, folks, most of my life, I've had to just rely on God and say, God, I trust that there's going to be enough at the end of the month to make it, to make it work. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a word of advice, right? Or I'm, not a word of advice. I'm going to give you a word of experience. God has never let me down. Never. So why do we spend all that time worrying and we put stuff in the bucket and our load gets heavy when Jesus says, why? Take that anxiety out. Why? follow me. I will take care of you. If I'll take care of the birds, I'll take care of you. One more. What, what if I follow Jesus teaching even earlier in Matthew 6 when he said this, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may receive or may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. Think about this. The burden, many of you carry a burden because what are you doing? You're trying to please others. Right? You're heavy laden with perceived the, the perceived importance of what others think about you, all right? And so you're gonna do good things. You'll even do in front of other people. Why? Because you want them to see you. You want them to think good about you, right? Because you think what others think about you is so important. I think really what Jesus is telling us is this. The opinion of others don't really matter. Do what you do in front of a holy God because a holy God sees all that you do and just live for him. You serve him and you rest in that. It doesn't matter if anybody sees the good deeds you do. It doesn't matter what others think about you. All that really matters is what a holy God thinks about you. And if you live for him, you can rest knowing that a God will look at you someday as you follow him and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Is there rest? Is it freeing when you're not worried about the opinions of others? 
Y'all just think I'm meddling this morning, right? This, this is what I'm doing. I could give many other examples of things that Jesus taught. Because I'm not here to tell you. Jesus' teaching will affect your marriage. Jesus' teaching will affect your finances. Jesus' teaching will affect your work. Jesus' teaching will affect every area of your life. And I'm here to tell you, it's all good. And I don't have time to go through all of them this morning. In fact, I know you don't want me to. You got an extra hour of sleep last night, but you're still looking for a nap, and you want to get out here in time for that nap, right? But hopefully I shared enough for you to understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus made it clear here, if we take his yoke upon us, if we commit to him and learn from him, that we can find rest for our souls, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I will say this to everyone listening. If you find yourself trying to please God and it's wearing you out, Maybe what you're doing is being religious rather than following Jesus. Just listen to his words again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I hope you understand the invitation that Jesus is giving to us. The real question really is, will you choose to follow him or not? Will you choose to recognize who he is and what he offers and follow him and find rest for your soul or not? I know typically when I start a message, that's when you kind of lay the background for the text, right? You lay the background and then let's dig in. I'm kind of doing it reverse today. I've given you the text and let me give you a little background. The background of this, when this chapter started in chapter 11, John the Baptist was arrested and he was in prison. And so he sent some people to Jesus to ask him a question. Are you the one that was to come? He was asking the question, basically, are you the Savior? Are you the Messiah? Now, Jesus didn't ask him, answer him plainly, but he answered him in code, which basically he, Jesus was saying, yep, that's me. I'm the one. I'm the Savior. I'm the Messiah. All right. It's clear from that passage that is. Then Jesus goes on after that. He criticizes those people who had rejected John's message because if you know John's message, John's message was one preparing for the Savior right? Then beginning in verse 20, Jesus goes on and he denounces the cities where he had been and where he'd done mighty works, but they had rejected him saying this, it'll be better for Sodom on the day of judgment than those cities who had rejected him. Then he talks about how these great truths of God's have been revealed to little children. It is after that when Jesus says, come to me. What's the point? The point is, we all have a decision to make as whether we will recognize who Jesus is and follow him and find rest for our souls or whether we will reject Jesus and remain with a soul that is laboring and heavy laden. Here in just a moment, we are going to share the Lord's Supper together. What is the Lord's Supper? Well, it's a symbol of the covenant that God made with us that is designed to remind us of who Jesus is and what he's done. These elements declare the story of Jesus. The bread represents his body. We might say this. It first declares that Jesus came to earth as God in flesh. He took on flesh like you and me to be made like us. But in that, though, he never sinned. As he walked in the body, he walked being tempted as we are. But he lived a sinless life that we could not live and then, because of that, he was able to offer that life up on a cross where he could die in place of us. The Jews represents 
the blood of Jesus. Blood, if you don't know, this blood is considered uh, the life, all right? It, it represents life really itself. And so this cup, this juice is going to represent the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. The Bible even says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin because our sin requires a sacrifice. And so here's what it tells us that Jesus sacrificed for us. Jesus shedding his blood was a, you know, it was a symbol of that commitment, all right? Or this is a symbol of commitment of blood where Jesus shed his blood for you and me. God's saying this, making a promise where God says, here's my promise. If you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ and what I've done through him, then I'll forgive you of sin and give you eternal life. That's his promise. Wasn't a list of things you have to do other than, you remember what Jesus said, the work of the Father was believe in the one he sent. He's, God said, I'm making a covenant with you. If you place your faith in Jesus, I'll give you eternal life. See, this morning as we celebrate, if you're here and you're one of those people that has recognized who Jesus was and what he has done, when we come and take the Lord's Supper, here's what it is. It's about you coming and saying, I recognize that. I've placed my faith in Jesus. I've given my life to him, and I'm celebrating what Jesus has done in my life. So see, if that's you, you don't even have to be a member of Outer Creek to celebrate with us. It's all believers. Everyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ can come celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. But I think it's an awesome time where the Bible says when we take it, we're to examine our hearts. We're to examine our lives. It's maybe a time for some of us who say we believe in Jesus and place our faith in him to ask the question, is there something in my life that I'm laboring at or heavy laden that's not giving me the rest? And the reason is because somehow I've gotten off track. I'm not following what Jesus has told me the way I should. And because of that, I'm burdened, I'm laboring, I'm heavy laden. To me, it's a time when you come in a moment as we sing this song, you're gonna come out and you're gonna take these elements, you're gonna take them back to your seat. It's a time for you as a believer to take that and take a moment and say, God, I'm giving this to you because I've let this come in my life and steal my joy. It's come, it's burdened me down. It's something I'm, I'm heavy laden with, God, and I wanna give it to you because I know your word says it doesn't need to be that way. Maybe it is your anxiety. Maybe, who, who knows? Just come lay it down. In fact, if you want his invitation, you can stop and kneel at the altar. And take that to the Lord if you want, or you can do it at your seat. But this is for all, all right? Now, this is also, I believe, an invitation for some today who you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And so if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, the, the word would say that we shouldn't take of this because we'd be taking it in an unworthy manner. But you know what this is a reminder? That Jesus did do this for you. It's really an invitation for you to come and place your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you. He wants you to know, if you've been trying to be religious, stop, just place your faith in. Jesus died for your sins. Yes, you've messed it up, right? We've all messed it up, right? But he says, I died for you. I died for that sin. And he's waiting for you to receive him. Put your faith in Jesus, the one who's died to give you life. I would even say during this time, if that's you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, but you hear him calling and you say, I want that in my life. I, I, I am tired. I have been trying on my own. I'm doing all this and I'm wore out. And you want rest? We want to share this Jesus with you. Brother Jacob will be over here. I'll be over here. You, you just don't even worry about these, all right? Let us take care of that. You just come to us and let us share with you about the love of Jesus who's inviting you to come into a relationship with him. Because folks, here's what I know. He is inviting us to rest. So I want to ask you today, are you resting in Jesus? If not, today's a day to receive his invitation and find rest for your souls. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, I'm so thankful that as we come to you, 
we can come to you as we are, often laboring and heavy laden, needing rest. And I'm thankful that you've given us invitation to come and not stay the way we are, but Father, to find rest in you. Your invitation is clear today, Father, for us to come. We have to come into that relationship with you. And Lord, I know there are some here that need to accept that invitation for the first time. And so I pray in these moments as we have an invitation that you'll stir in hearts and lives and there'll be some who will hear your invitation to come to you and they'll stop trying to be religious and they'll just come and say, I want this Jesus. If he's inviting us to come to him and find rest, I'm ready. And we'd be able to help some come to know you and enter into relationship with Jesus today. So Father, Bless this time, burden those hearts, may they come. But Father, today I also know that there are others today that know you, but they still, Lord, are struggling. They're still tired and they still need rest. And the reality is either they've not dug into your word to know your teachings or Father, maybe today they know your teaching, but they're not living it out. I I pray in these moments, there'd be some who'd come and say, yes, I'm tired and I don't know why. Maybe there's something in their life that they know that you desire, a teaching that they've learned, that they've not begun to practice, that today would be the day before they take one bite of that wafer or one sip of that juice, that, Father, they would give that burden to you and find, Lord, rest for their souls because we all here today need that rest. So however you need to work, speak in life, God, during this time, I just pray people will respond to you and come and find the rest we all so desperately long for. So this time is yours, Father. Move in a mighty way. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.